plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover. And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast. And we're from Now TV. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. So we're back. We are. And a slightly different week this week, isn't it? A little bit of a plot twist, isn't it? We're, uh, we're both working from home. We are. We're joining the rest of the world in trying to adapt to the current circumstances. So I am recording from my spare room with my makeshift desk, fake plant included. And how about you, Tom? Well, you always need a fake plant. Uh, no, I'm actually in the new forest in, in my bedroom, looking out at all the greenery around me. <laughs> delightful. Um, delightful. Uh, yes. How are you getting on, though? Yeah, yeah, I'm re- I'm really good. And I'm really pleased that we're still able to do this recording. And we hope that everyone is managing to sort of adapt Definitely. as best they can as well. Um, and we were really, really lucky because we actually managed to squeeze a last minute interview before we went into lockdown, didn't we? Yeah, I think just before everything started to take off, we managed to get time with Noel Clark and Ashley Waters. Also known as Ashady from So Solid Crew. So solid. Yeah, I thought you might reference that. <laughs> I know. But on, on a serious note, you know, if you're not familiar already with these guys work, then you, you should be. really should be. So these guys have been involved in some really sort of epic film and TV shows. So we've got Kidulthood, Adulthood, there's Bullet Boy, Top Boy. And most recently, uh, they have both been involved in uh, writing and starring in Bulletproof. And season two is available on Now TV just come out it's a great series i can't wait to watch season two uh, and these guys have been like responsible for some, some groundbreaking series and films so like kiddohood when it came out that was really groundbreaking at the time because that representation of london hadn't been seen before and then obviously now you've got the two of them together like creating uh bulletproof which is an amazing series and they star as a, a cop duo it's it was i guess initially inspired by bad boys so you kind of got that sort of um bromance and the humor side but it's also got that edge to it with some really meaty storylines it's amazing it's got a really hollywood feel to it as well hasn't it there's some big stunts, stunts. really sort of great fight scenes to get behind um, but then like you say it's kind of interdispersed with these really sort of bromance banter some moments um that just makes it feel really sort of real and relatable a bit like me and you fran what big fight scenes well, no. Well, I mean, there are a few fight scenes between us. No, but I was thinking the uh, the banter. Yeah, from from me. From you, yeah, fine. Anyway, um, you actually returned for this interview. It's like the return of the Golden Phoenix here. I do indeed. Um, were you excited <laughs> to have me back? Not not overly, but you know, you were available, so uh, you know. <laughs> why not well, come along not? for the ride? <laughs> exactly. So at the beginning of the interview, you're going to hear Noel Nashley doing a bit of Cockney karaoke, and I met them late last year and a feature they do quite regularly and I think they did it uh, it started by their commute to work together they would take everyday songs and then apply like a cockney karaoke spin to it so uh 
Fran was quite keen to hear it again. We just got a bit carried away, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we did. We were so excited to meet them and we really wanted to get them to do it. And we basically just went straight in without a formal introduction. No intro, straight into Cockney Karaoke. (laughs) Straight in. Now, I think before we're tempted to try and do it ourselves, we should just take a listen to the main men themselves. We probably should. So here is Noel Clark and Ashley Waters on the Plot Twist podcast. The idea of the podcast is sort of like an informal chat, biographical sort of look at your careers and it's called Plot Twist, so we'll kind of explore like the unexpected plot twists from your careers maybe. Great. Well, let's do it before they shut you down. Cool. A few nuggets in there, like the Cockney Karaoke and... Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. We, did that, we did that last time, that was great, wonderful world, yeah. Well, stand- and yeah. I think to myself. <laughs> and I think to myself. Oh, they've got some lungs in them, haven't they? <laughs> what a wonderful world. Go on, Stan. I'm trying, I'm doing it. I didn't think it worked for every song, and then I was trying it at home That's to cool. other songs. Oh, I was like, baby, it baby, how was I supposed to know <laughs> that something wasn't right here? <laughs> it me, baby, it works. It I don't think I'll ever listen to these songs again yeah. in the same way. In my head, it would just be, it'd be the cotton version through and through. Oh, my eight-year-old does it now, kills me like... <laughs> Did you guys do that, like, commuting to work? Was that the, yeah. how it started? Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Every morning, yeah. get in the car. And I'm not a morning person, but no one is. Me neither. <laughs> so it'd be like, he'd be singing, yeah. singing different songs and that to try and cheer me up. And usually I'd be like, shut up, man. What's wrong <laughs> Did you ever know that you me wrote me? <laughs> You're everything I would love to be. Because <laughs> I'm a fly hide in an eagle. Because <laughs> so you good. are the wind beneath me wings. <laughs> yeah, and he would just be like in the corner, but come on, gear up. And the driver would be dying. Like this driver yeah. called Gary, he'd be dying. Anyway, we can talk oh, about that. Are you always like high energy? Is that the, yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much. Until until, until we get mid, to, until until it gets to, to yeah in the night. It's like I'm not a morning person. I no, need like an energizer like I'm that not. to get me going. I just no. can't. I I'm not the person who jumps out of bed. I'd be the same as you. I should just be enough. Yeah, it takes me a while. enough. <laughs> no, I'm straight in. But when it hits about eleven thirty midnight, I shut down, mm. and then you just get and people go, "You're all right. I'm good, man." Just say that. And then I'm like, I'm not good. <laughs> if you can't I'm tell, like, I'm not I good. Need my, I need my six hours or whatever. Um, but one of the things I did see, like obviously when you do these sort of interviews, you do, you do prep for them. And the amount of articles you see on you guys, like the constant theme that comes out is like the sort of the work ethic. Where, where, where does that stem from? Is that, has that always been the case with you guys? Survival. Yeah, yeah survival. And for, for me, I mean, I grew up in a household with like three really powerful women. Mm. Um, my grandma, my aunt, and my mum. And um, all I did was see them work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All I did was see them hustle and just struggle to to provide for me. Um, my mum is like a perfectionist. I wouldn't go as far as to say that, you know, I am. But, um, but I understand about not cutting corners, you know, and, and kind of putting in the work to get the results. So I've never been one of those people that want to, you know, I, I never want it before my time. Mm. You're quite humble like that. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's just always been about it's been about that. It's always been about the environment that I've grown up in. It's just always been consistent in the sense of everyone's working and, and hustling. And, and because of that, I always got what I needed and sometimes what I wanted as well. Mm. You know, my mum provided for me quite well. So um, I've, I've always understood the power of hard work and where it can get you. Um, and that's been it for me, really. Yeah. I just grew up with just my mum and um, she would have to leave me at home to work because, you know, she was trying to raise a, a kid instead of tre- still do nursing. So she would leave me at home a lot 
and be like, right, don't answer the door. These are your snacks, this, that, and the other. Um, so again, I learned very early on about hard work. You had and to I, be independent, I guess. Yeah, I was going to school on my own from the age of like seven years old. I had my keys, go to school on my own, come back. I can't imagine sending. I don't think my eleven-year-old would get to school. <laughs> if I said, well, phone and Google Maps. Yeah, yeah, like I, you know what I mean. I, I definitely wouldn't send my eight-year-old, but I was, I was doing that on my own. And arguably, you know, people say, "Oh, it's the world is," but arguably, it was more dangerous then. There was less cameras. There was less, you know, less exposure, right? Yeah, you know, so people could snatch you up and you're gone, and it wouldn't even make the news. Um, so I always just knew about. Um, how hard she worked and and so for me I, I i was like that too and then i got a job at 15 my first job i was 15 and and a lot of my friends were like like robbing and doing stuff like that i just was like if i want it i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna work for it so i was like a water slide attendant in in the local sports center at like 15. like earning like 50 pound a month or whatever but at this <laughs> but that 50 pound i knew where I, was, like, I knew what i was gonna buy at the end of the month that's going to that that's going to that. And I was just, I just, yeah. Was that something that naturally you were driven to do? Or was it seeing your friends that were doing, sort of taking different paths? You just sort of, sort of no, thought, no. I don't want to be in that direction. I spoke to Ashley about this. It wasn't, I was never like, oh my God, they're taking that path. I need to do the opposite. I just was always single-minded enough to know what, if I didn't want to do something. Mm. So I have a really close friend of mine who who was uh, sent down for, for, well, sent down for 25, you can know what that was for. It didn't serve that, but but he always says, oh man, I wish I had the foresight. It wasn't foresight. Mm. It wasn't foresight. There was no foresight in me going, well, oh, I don't want to go down that path. I just knew when they said, let's do this. If I didn't want to do it, I wasn't doing it. And I don't know why that was. I don't know what enabled me to say I wasn't doing things. I don't even know where I got the moral. You know, obviously I went to church and stuff like that when I was young. So maybe there was some stuff still in there, like don't do X, don't do Y. But... When they were like, let's go rob this thing, let's go do this. I was quite happy to be like, I'm not doing it. And I was an only child too. So if they were like, dude, bro, if you don't do it, we're not going to jam with you no more. I'd be like, cool. I've got toys at home and TV, so I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was happy to I was like, happy to be on my own, happy to be a loner. Never affected me. You couldn't scare me by like, we're not going to hang out with you. I'd be like, I'm fine. You're quite sort of determined and focused on what you were doing yeah, and I'm not really care. unbothered by anyone I, else. I didn't need any. I had, like I said, I had toys. I had all my He-Man toys. I had this, that and the other. I had TV. So I actually didn't care whether I had people that were mm. going to be my friend or not. And I think a lot of people fall into that. They need friends. They need like, people says, I'm not going to be your friend. And it affects them. No, I'm buff. Come on, man. I like, honestly didn't it takes care. takes kind of strength in the way. Yeah, but this is the point. You see, when you say that, I didn't feel like I had, it wasn't something that I consciously thought I had strength. It's just the way I was. I'm still like that now. I don't care. It's called stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's maybe, like being yeah. stubborn. Like someone that's just going to, you know, yeah. you stick to your guns. Yeah. You say you're going to do something, you do it. Yeah. Simple as. Yeah, I'm pretty much like that now. Yeah. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm doing it. And, and has it has it kind of mapped out the way that you thought that it would in that regard? Do you set yourself a goal and then you work to hit that and then move to the next one? Or do you have like a longer vision? I have a lot. There's a longer vision for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't always set short term goals. I mean, I kind of do because like I want to achieve this, I want to achieve that. But I'm a problem solver. So if there's something I want to achieve and there's an obstacle... I'm not like kicking up a fuss about the obstacle. I'll, I'll look at it like, you know, pe people that become obstacles in, 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 in this business. So they're not going to help you do this or they're not going to facilitate you that or they're blocking you to do that. I don't go, oh man, come smash up the room. I'm just like, I'm going to get past you. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm going to achieve until I don't need you anymore. Until I'm actually at your level. And then I can just 
get rid of you by the wayside. And then when the next obstacle comes up again, I'm just like, okay, that's interesting. I'm going to get past you. And that's- So you say it's motivation really? Yeah. Yeah, loads of times you come up against people like, you're never going to do this or we're not going to commission that, we're not going to do this. And I'm just like, okay. What do I need to do so I don't need that person? That was almost the story of how you got to Bulletproof, wasn't it? Because I think last time we spoke, you said it took like seven years to actually... <laughs> yeah, it took a really lot achieve, of time, yeah. You know, from the idea to actually getting it yeah, yeah. You know, through. You literally sat in meetings where people would say, you know, and I haven't named them and I won't name them specifically because one person has apologised, but literally sat opposite people who said, one of you has to be white for this show to work, for this to work. You know, and have witnesses to that conversation as well. It's not like I'm saying it and they can be like, I didn't say that. I have witnesses to the conversation. And I was like, cool, well, here's what's going to happen. It's either going to be me and Ashley or you can put the scripts in the coffin with me because like, that's how it's going to be. Yes, that way or no way. Yeah, and I bumped into the guy on Oxford Street after season one. Well, one of the people because there were two different companies. And he he just stopped me and he said, I apologise. You stuck to your guns. As Ashley said, you stuck to your guns and said, I, I apologise. And I'm really happy to see it being made. But it's almost your individual success which has allowed you to actually make it happen, right? Well, both are individual. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And needed... guys like John Boyega and collectively, well, I suppose, well, what you've been able I to mean, do. I'll, I'll go as far as I'm saying, you know, people can get offended if they want. There would be none of those guys if it wasn't for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like Joe, Joe, there's, you, can find, you can Google it. There's an article where Joe Cornish says that Attack the Block is partly inspired by kiddohood. I have the article somewhere and you, if you Google it and put the right combination of words in, you'll find it and he says it. So arguably, if there's no kid or there's no attack the block, right? So if there's no attack the block, then what? It's amazing. You, you paved the path for others to follow. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we, what, you know, and kid or hood was, came around the same. People forget Bullet Boy actually came out first. Yeah. You know. Is that 2004 he did that? They were uh, shot around the same uh, time. Yeah, yeah. It was sh well, we shot it around 2000 and it was 2002. We shot it, it came out, I think, in the 2003, something like that, beginning of 2004. And going back to growing up, was, was TV always the passion? Was that always the route that you were going to go down? TV for me kind of came about, um, it was always film for me. You were doing the, theatre, weren't you? In, in the beginning, yes, I was doing theatre, but my aim was to do films. Um, I was just obsessed with making movies. Um, and that's kind of what I started doing. But then there was a moment where money just fell, fell mm. away from like independent film in the UK and it just, it wasn't an industry, like it just, the bottom just fell out of it. Um, and I just remember making a conscious decision that, you know, if, I, if I'm gonna continue acting, I've gotta do some, I'm gonna have to kind of do some really good, like, you know, small dramas. Cause I never wanted to do long-term, you know, long serial kind of TV, um, being a whole season of, Silent Witness or this or that or whatever, <laughs> but I was happy to kind of come in and come out and do like one-off dramas here and there. And actually that's where Top Boy came about because in, originally that was just a four-part drama. Mm. It was never meant to go on and become season after season or whatever. So it was just a, a standalone. Um, and that was kind of one of the things I chose to do when, when you know, the whole thing turned to TV. But, you know, you're watching some of your, some of the, the greatest actors, especially in the US, um, turn to TV you know, and start doing t really good TV shows and gritty dramas and stuff just meant that uh, things were changing. Um, I don't know whether it's changing. Is it changing back now? Is it? I don't know, man, really. I mean, it's the same for me. Like, mm. when I say TV, I just meant watching TV, but, like, I loved movies. Mm. That's why, you know, the kiddo hoods and stuff like that were always, like, 
I wasn't inspired by any movie. There was no movie over here that I felt related to me or that I could identify with. So I was like, fine, I'll, I'll write something myself. I was inspired by Boys in the Hood, New Jack City. Was it called Poetic Justice? Po what was it called? Yeah, Poetic Justice. Poetic Justice, Tupac and Kids. Janet Jackson. Kids, Bully, Larry Clark films. Like all those kind of things were like really like Lahane. I was watching a lot of a lot of like foreign cinema, like Three Colors Red, Three Colors White, like Sexy Lucia, Spanish stuff. Etamama I was watching loads oh, of stuff. As a kid, mm. yeah, as a young young teenager, yeah, watching all of that stuff. I was so into indie film, like you know, people talk about Ang Lee, Yo, Crouching Tiger. I'm like, mate, Ice Storm, Ice Storm. Like years, 10, 10, 10 years before that, like I was watching loads of indie film, and and those are the things that really inspired me, and that's that's where. That's where the killer thing came from. And I used to think about, you know, you'd buy your American film, you'd have your, your video, because it was still VHS, whatever, your soundtrack, there'd be a poster and a book or whatever. So that my mentality was always about marketing. I would see shit before, before it even came out. And if you look at the killer poster, that poster still works today. And when you bought that in, in, in our price or Tower Records, or whatever, you'd have your DVD, you had your, your, your soundtrack, and you had your poster. And not many people were doing that, but that was always how I saw things. No. Poster for Bulletproof 2. That's pretty hard. So yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, they've yeah. done a good job, yeah. Yeah. But did you always know that you wanted to do sort of the writing side and the acting side? No, survival, it... necessity. That's how it all came about for me. So which ambition was first? Acting was always first. It was always what first. I always wanted to do. And then I feel like, although, I mean, it's weird. I wasn't done, but I don't feel like I'm academically or, or was academically smart. Like my, my kids are better at maths than I am now. But but I was very socially smart, like very conscious and aware. Creative. Uh, yeah, but I mean like, so within within three or four months of having an acting agent and going for roles, I identified that I wasn't gonna get the stuff I wanted. I, I really identified that very early on. So I was like, well, if I'm not gonna get the stuff I want, I need to create it. And then, you know. Why, why wouldn't you get it? I could just tell, like the stuff I, I wanted to get, I was seeing people go for, I wasn't going in for it or, I'd get like criminal number three or your character's called Jerome, but he's he's only got two lines and he's a, he's a crook. And I was like, what, the f what is this, man? You know, oh, we, but we can put you in Holby. I don't want to do Holby, you know, with all due respect to them. I don't, I don't want to do that. And so I just started writing. I'd always and how did written. you begin that process when you decided like, right, enough's enough. I'm going to, I'm going to create something for myself to be in well i was already in all those indie i was already into all those indie films you know and then i just thought i went and bought like loads of screenplays from because faber and faber the publishers i don't even know if they still exist but they used to publish screenplays you could buy scripts that, wow so i went and bought like every one i could find on the shelves um i remember pulp fiction was one american beauty go kevin smith films and i would just read the screenplays to learn how to format stuff then I was like, started writing on Word like everyone does. And then someone said, no, there's a thing called Final Draft. It's like 350 pounds. So I just saved my money and I bought Final Draft and I started writing. Just started writing. Kid Old was like the, like the fourth script I've finished. And if you had to, so obviously being the Plot Twist podcast, we have to ask you about unexpected turns. If both of you had to pick sort of one part of your career today that was the most sort of unexpected move for you or something that you could never have foreseen, what would you choose as that moment? There's nothing that's been really unexpected. I mean, obviously, I haven't been expecting everything that's happened, mm. but um, everything is in the the realm of what I, you know, could foresee. So, 
And I think like, you know, from the outside looking in, you'll think, you're always as a person gonna be looking at us thinking like we're really fulfilling, you know, everything that we've dreamed of and whatever, but I haven't done half the things I wanna do, yeah. Really? Like I'm nowhere near where I wanna be. And we talk about it together personally. Like yeah. actually we, we don't think we get what we deserve, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more to, to do, there's a lot more to see. Um, so yeah, I mean, in that sense, I'm like, I feel like a pup. It's yet to come. Yeah, I feel as hungry as I did on the the first day that I started doing it. I'm hungry, but I'm definitely an old dog. I ain't a pup. I ain't a pup no more, bro. I'm an old dog. An old wise dog in the corner like that. Now you're not. Unexpected for me, I don't know. I think maybe... I think probably the Olivia Award back in the days. You were pretty young when you got that, weren't you? That was like 2002 or something? Yeah, yeah. I think that was the most unexpected and I didn't understand it I think like I was like whatever like there was a, another guy nominated and he was sweating like he was like <laughs> shaking because he but he'd gone to drama school yeah. he went to drama school he'd gone all that so they, they they're trained and conditioned to know that that is the biggest thing you can get in British in British maybe even European theatre and you so, hadn't had formal training like nah that. so I was like yeah, I've been nominated for this thing and every all my friends are like oh cool whatever man but anyone in the industry was like mm. what you, <laughs> yeah. What's your problem? And then um, I went there on a day and uh, yeah, I won it. And this guy was like, he was in tears, devastated. I was like, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> um, but that was such a weird thing because obviously I was this untrained guy who couldn't really get on TV. Was writing scripts in his spare time, and then started doing plays just because everybody would like you. Haven't done any theatre and you're untrained. And they were so bougie back then. They would look at my CV and it had like one job on it and they would turn it over knowing that it was, you know, they turn it over like, oh, what's on the other side? They know it's fucking black. And um, then suddenly I got that and it was like, oh, there's this wonderful new theater actor who's getting into TV. Theater, I did like three plays. Yeah. Did like three plays on the trot. I wasn't a theater, I wasn't a theater actor, but it's just weird how, it kind of turned into like, there's this wonderful new theater actor who, who's getting into TV now. And it really wasn't that, it was just like, but that was unexpected. Nobody, even my agent, I remember telling my agent, they didn't even come at the time. Really? Yeah, they didn't come. They no, not expected. I remember calling them saying, oh, I won the thing. And they went, oh my God, no one the Olivier. And then the office started shouting. And I was like, if you're that fucking excited, you should have come. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't. I'm not with them anymore. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. So that was the first part of our interview with Noel Clark and Ashley Waters. I cannot believe that his agent didn't go to see him win an Olivier Award. It kind of like shows you like the expectations at the time, almost. I mean, I bet he looks back on that now and absolutely kicks himself, especially seeing how far he's come. How could you not look back and have a little smile to yourself about that? I know. Yeah. You'd be a bit smug, wouldn't you? Yeah. What did you think? Do you know what? I thought it was a really inspiring interview. Um, the, the ambition that these guys show, particularly when they talk about sort of... It's, it's been clear that these guys were set on this path from a really young age. You've got Noel, who had a job at 15. You know, he talks about the fact that he really didn't care that his friends were saying they were going to drop him. You know, he had this sort of steely ambition to sort of drive himself forward um and i loved hearing how he was watching all these sort of 
indie films and how he realised quite quickly that he wanted to be this actor and that there weren't these roles that were available at the time that he was going to be able to sort of easily take a step into. So he started acquiring scripts and... That was his yeah, education. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I, I loved hearing that he sort of, he got hold of these scripts and basically taught himself how to write a script so that he could write roles that he could then star in. I just thought that was that was amazing. Yeah, because he, he didn't want to do the, you know, the, the, the sort of the everyday route of an actor. He wanted to sort of carve his own path. Yeah, I think the one, th- the one thing that came to mind at the time, like, like just afterwards, was like tunnel vision. As you say, like from an early age, he wanted to, both of them, both of them, you heard Ashley saying about how, you know, he's uh, like almost not satisfied with what he's done. He's got more to come and he's still hungry. And like, there's almost like this like sheer determination and tunnel vision to sort of get to where they, they, they feel they deserve to be. And a fair play to them. Fair play. It was incredible. What's really interesting is they don't even use sort of the obstacles to just move past they use them to fuel themselves forward i love that when i was like you know i I take that barrier and i just knock it down and i just show them like i don't have to tell them how it makes me feel because i just show them with the work and i i just think i just thought it was it was brilliant they were really cool yeah i mean like seven years to make bulletproof but they persisted and you know to then turn around and say you know well we've done it here it is it's a you know great series Particularly yeah. when they were saying that sort of they were really challenged uh, to sort of change one of the lead parts to, and to change that sort of representation. Uh, and he was just like, you know, I'll take that to the grave with me. Like we are we are not changing it. It's <laughs> yeah. this way or no way. I, yeah. I thought it was awesome. Um, and then we got to obviously move on to chatting through Bulletproof, didn't we? So, yeah, the next part of our interview sees us uh, look more into Bulletproof season two, which has just returned on Now TV, uh, where the cop duo Bishop and Pike start to uh, branch outside of London into international grounds. So I think it's about time that we dive back into part two. So here it is with Noel Clark and Ashley Waters. Let's talk about uh, Bulletproof then. So obviously season two, you've just come back from South Africa, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. How was yeah. that? It's interesting. <laughs> oh, really? It's an interesting place. What are you saying this? I enjoyed it, my time this time. I thought it was quite cool. Um, I mean, obviously we work a lot. So you don't get that much time to mm. explore your surroundings, but yeah, I mean it was it was good. It was much better than my last experience there. So I mean I, I've got no no complaints. The weather was brilliant. My kids, my family enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. You know, we had a good time <laughs> together. We did. Um, How long were you out there for? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So it was like a it's a big chunk of time. It's a nice, decent amount of time, especially being away from the family for us. I think it was the first time we've been away from our families for so long. Um, so yeah, yeah. But we came back. We you know we got some amazing, um, captured some amazing, amazing footage. Um, it's going to be a really good special. So, but they're extras, aren't they? To season two, in a way, is that right? It's sort of extra. Well, it's, continu- it's, it's continuity. It's continuity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like two and a half. They, they but they won't come out till later in the year. Mm. Um, yeah, we had a great time, but it's definitely an interesting place. I can't mm. say that I, I can't say that I like it knowing what I learned about it while I was mm. there and stuff like that. The land is beautiful and amazing. We had like we had the best time, you know. If I'm going on the experience, it's amazing. But well, just, you you in Cape Town, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah. But just you know, in terms of like learning about the place and seeing certain things and hearing about certain things or knowing things that happened, it's just like. Seeing a different viewpoint. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's an interest. It's educational. 
But season two is obviously not, is it not set in London or we move out of London in Bulletproof? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's set in, it is set in London, but yeah. we do, we travel. You yeah. travel in this we have to, I mean, we, we're, we're on an undercover case, so we're following this big, big huge crime family and, you know, their, their crimes happen not just in London, but kind of all over in Amsterdam, in um, Cyprus. Cyprus. But we actually shot in Malta for Cyprus. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we kind of, <laughs> we, we end up following these guys kind of wherever they go, really, to solve this, solve this whole case. Yeah. Is it a continuation of season one or is it a separate case? It's a separate case. I mean, it's yeah, a okay. continuation in the sense that we're still who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, still dead. Nail's still dead. That broke my heart. Really that broke my heart. It really did. It really broke my heart. Anyone who's listening to this should have watched season they one. Should one watched yeah, yeah, they, they should have watched it. They should have watched it at this point, yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that coming. I was hoping, like, your dad wasn't supposed to come. We didn't see that coming. We didn't see that We didn't really want it to happen, actually. Didn't really want it to happen. It was a very last minute thing. It was, it was. Yeah, we were, because I wrote that episode. And I was like, nah, I don't think that should happen. But then it always goes to like the last, you know, to the showrunner. And we had big debates. I was on emails like, nah, don't do it. And so actually it was kind of done in a way where she could have still been alive. She could have been in a coma, yeah. whatever like that. But yeah. then, the, you know, a week later we shot the pickup scene or something like that where I'm sitting on the back of the ambulance. Where, you know, Yeah, we didn't want it to happen because we thought it was such a good character. Such She's a great. Good really female character. So what was the yeah. reason for killing her off? They felt that exactly this. They felt it would mean more, and people yeah. would be really annoyed by it, and like kind of go. What I mean, you have to you think about the bravery of you know having one of your best characters in mm. the show killing them off is gonna create such a stir with your, your <laughs> yeah. you know, the fans of your show and whatever in a good way. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. and in, it did in a good way. People it, are still like, yeah, it was that great build up that you're like, oh, they reconcile, they're but gonna yeah. get together. Yeah. Oh, and she's died. Yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. and then you think you're gonna get the next scene where it's like, no, she, she's, she's in the hospital. Oh, like Pike's dad. Like Pike's dad. Oh, I thought. No, she is. Shot twice. No, he made it through. So maybe sure. And doesn't even get to say goodbye or anything. Like she's just gone. Like that. That sad moment. Yeah. I think it's good in a way though because then you don't tee the audience up to expect that every time someone's shot they're going to make it through like it puts you on edge a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah, when characters right. anyone, do get anyone shot. can get it yeah absolutely yeah, except, except me and him yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I mean that would be a real twist. anyone can die <laughs> anyone, everyone and anyone it's like Game of Thrones actually yeah. you should yeah. be expecting more people to die <laughs> no but I really enjoy that as a viewer I'm like <laughs> yeah. you, when you watch something and they they don't occasionally kill someone off yeah. you're always like no they'll make it through yeah, oh I'm not always, on edge in this scene like they're going to come through but so yeah, I okay, a, that's good. In all the action and the fun, there's an element of reality. Is like the people that do this job for real put themselves in a lot of danger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They they they're protecting our interests and trying to do what's best for the public and the country without us really knowing what they're doing. And so sometimes stuff happens, you know. Because mm. it's partly influenced by Bad Boys, and so when I first watched it, I was kind of had that in my head. But actually, as the season goes on, it gets more gritty and it's, it's real. Yeah, like it's our own thing, isn't it? It's London. It's yeah. it's, it's, mm. it's modern and. You know, we watched the we watched the last movie and and stuff like that, and it's like yeah, you did. I fell asleep. You did. For really? <laughs> did I you? tried to not out you with that, but I'm, I'm glad you said it. Um, yeah, and, and and you know, it's interesting. It is very much like we are. It is very much like that in in terms of what we do, and I'm proud that we've been the people that have done it in the UK, and it's opened the doors for so many other actors of 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 different origins to lead shows as doubles or, or whatever. I think that's important. London's been so, so integral to both of you and your work. Have you ever thought about going to America? Has that ever been, see like the likes of David Harewood and... 
Idris it, it, I mean, it, it depends in what sense you mean. I mean, like, all right, so there's loads of reasons why probably I haven't been in the last few years or whatever, but um, but we both worked out there. Um, but I don't, I can't, I just can't see a world where I'd want to live there. No way. Do you know what I mean? And just like, and that be my life. You know, I love London. I think that we're kind of the most diverse place in the world, if I'm honest with you. Great. Um, depending on, you know, judging by the places that I've been and stayed and worked in. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I can't see myself leaving here. I would love my kids to grow up here as well. Um, but like I always say, you know, if Marvel, if Marvel, <laughs> if Marvel call. Get the call up. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I might be going. Yeah. Not gonna lie, we've seen the before and afters uh, with the fitness stuff. I mean, superheroes. There's a there's a chance yeah. there. The guys yeah, are in, knows, in good nick. Yeah, can you imagine? No Glock's been arrested. And Chadwick's had an accident. We don't know if there's a connection, but basically, <laughs> basically, you're the new Black Panther. <laughs> I'm like, Ash, I got him for you. I got him. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I think I've never chased it. I've never. It's weird because people sometimes go, oh, "How come you don't work in America?" The, the truth is. I've never chased it. It's not something where, and the other, the reality of it is, is a lot of people that have gone there have outwardly said quite openly, especially once they do well, they're a bit quiet when they're not doing well. Once they do well, they go, well, the UK didn't give me work and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I had to leave. I've worked for 20 years consistently and I've made my work and I've been successful. I've never had to, I've never had to chase it. So consequently that might mean like I'm not a big movie star like certain people are, but that's because I didn't have to leave here because I wasn't working. I was always working. Mm. So, you know, that's kind of where... And Bulletproof's aired in the US, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, CW. Uh, yeah. And what well. was the reception like there? Yeah, it does well. I mean, I don't, I don't know about people on the street, but the ratings were, were pretty high. So, yeah, yeah, I think they like it. Yeah. Great. I, don't know, I, know the, I know the network like it, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And back to the fitness piece, um, I did read somewhere that you guys do your own stunts. In bulletproof? Uh, yeah, as much as we can. Yeah. I think people people take this. There's some as big stunts in there. You know, <laughs> the stuntmen get annoyed about Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the stuntmen get so upset six. when we when we see them after. Like about you do your own stunts. Well, what about when I did that and I jumped off that forklift? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, obviously. We get it. We get it. But I think we do. I, I suppose we do more than most actors yeah. when it comes to our eagerness to to do as much as we can. And like we're both very kind of athletic and we're 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 fit and we want to. You know, and and I think it's easier for a director when you're filming for them to have your face rather than trying to hide some other guy's like face a with a wig on or yep. whatever. I legit um, don't think my guy did anything in South Africa, you know? No, nah, he didn't. He didn't. Like, other <laughs> Honestly. Than, other than sit next holiday. to you and prep. <laughs> and take pictures. And take pictures. He didn't do a thing. <laughs> I don't, g genuinely yeah. don't think he did. He might have took over when I got the stitches in my knee. No, he didn't. He didn't. That was... Um, the standing. That was your standing. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I don't think he did much at He all. didn't do much. He yeah. didn't do much at all. And was it always the plan or did you just kind of get to a scene and think, I'll give it a crack? No, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, <laughs> listen, you're on a film set and everyone gets so, especially with your, with your lead cast, everyone gets so caught up in insurance, health and safety, this and that or whatever. So it could be literally just us jumping off this table and they'll want to create a step for you. Just in case I make the floor soft. <laughs> you do your ligaments. You, you might do your ligaments. Or your ligaments or your ankle or whatever. And it's like... <laughs> Just shut up. Just let us do it. Yeah. We're we're just and, like, and that's what yeah. we're that's what we're like. We're like, we're no, doing we're doing it. it. Just throw ourselves. We're doing in. it. You're not doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but no buts. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Did you do the bike scene in episode six? No, I didn't do that. That was <laughs> that would have been was, very was pretty hardcore. Yeah. I, I didn't do that. I wanted to. Did you? And did you watch um, the, what mo you? What, the motorbike scene? Yeah. What are you talking about? In 
It's like the one on one with the bikes going towards uh, Bishop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. there until the flip. So I did all of that stuff. And then in, when I'm there, they swerve off. And then Zav comes and does the, uh, the flip. But I would have done it. I would have. Mm. I would have done Given it. In the health and safety, I think they had a what Did you, did well you watch played. any of this? Have you seen any of season two at all? Not yet. Season season two, yeah. There's a bridge jump, which I, what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then he went, no, please, please. Like, I said, no, I can do it. It's just jumping off a bridge onto a car. I can do it. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do it in the end? No, nah, no, nah, they wouldn't. Let you. Finally, they came up with something like I you remember went. that same day, yeah. I had an argument with, with um, Lovin, didn't yeah. I? Because he was like, it was, it, was, it was literally, I had to, in the scene, they just wanted me to reverse from here to here, but quite aggressively, like, <laughs> and it was like, He's there was this to. whole debate about, no, let's get the stunt double to do it and this and that or whatever. And I was like, you guys just sent me on a rally course, yeah. an <laughs> intensive <laughs> rally course, I'm doing learning it. how to J-turn and skid and everything or whatever, for me to come on set and you're telling me I can't reverse yeah, a car. Rubbish. So I was like, no, I'm doing it. So yeah. I ended up doing it and then I crashed, but it's not. One of them did. One of them. One of them did. Yeah. Just before we uh, wrap up, just one more final thing. Sure. Um, Fran, Ashley's career has had a bit of an influence on you. Yeah, I upsettingly admitted that um, my little sort of go-to karaoke trick is that I can rap the entirety of Twenty One Seconds. Well, let's hear it. Well, no, I, I did say <laughs> Tom was like, "What if they ask you?" And I said, "Well, unless I've had a glass of wine and the music's there, then Get I can't a glass do it." Of wine. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. We're but doing just, it. No, 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 hold on, hold on. You can't no, say, no, 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 you can't say that you can do no, it. And not do it. No, I used to be able to rap the entirety. Right. You don't have permission to use this interview. I'm revoking permission of this. My friends, my friends always laugh though because it was like the soundtrack of my brother and my team. Just talking, more rapid. You I'm deflecting, I'm deflecting. Yeah, come on, let's go. But I laughed because my brother just listened to it nonstop. Okay, great. And, and great. I was out once okay, and great. it came on and my friend was like, do you know that you've just... Yeah, this is fantastic. Just, let's he just let's hear the it. Let's hear it, friend. No, we have, we have more right, bulletproof so questions one to verse, cover. One verse, yeah. I can't, I honestly can't. Come do on. Three lines, three I can't lines. Do it now. Three lines. Um, Doing a copy karaoke. Oh, yeah. No, 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 don't deflect. No, don't deflect. Stop deflecting, come on. Okay, how about... I got 21 seconds to pass the mark. I got 21 seconds to say what I gotta say. But you don't love me anyway, so I won't hesitate. hesitate. So sorry, crew, it's hesitate. here to stay. We're gonna get right to the top Have of it. Cause I, uh, 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 20. Yeah, she got it. She got it. Nice. Yeah. 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 Yes. A round of applause. Well done. Well done. Yes. Um, anyway, you thank you guys so much for joining us on the Plot Twist oh, podcast. Thank you. thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks thank for having us. You said it, you had to do it. I know, well, I did say Tom was like, we'll mention it. And I was like, I oh, will mention it, but I'm not going to do it. That's not saying, I, say, I we'll can juggle. We'll we'll go on then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Lesson learned, lesson learned. Yeah. This will be my never do it again. <laughs> My God, I absolutely love that. Honestly, I, don't. I've. I don't think I've stopped blushing for the last week. <laughs> I, I was absolutely and mortified. You, hearing you squirm, like I've never ever. I mean, you are an amazing communicator. I'm going to put it out there, but I have never ever heard you squirm like that before. <laughs>
I think the worst part is that my voice just got more and more and more high pitched. It got to a level that only dogs could hear it. It was I was just trying to deflect. I was like, just get them onto another topic of conversation, just try and tell another story. They and they latched up. onto it and they did not let it go. And I just thought the time and I'm has so come. glad I, they did. I, you know, I thought I've backed myself for years with this, and this is really the penultimate moment, you know, speaking to Asha D, rapping a verse. You know, the Lisa Mafia verse as well, which by all accounts for, for the girls who are the So Solid Crew fans, you know, is a real Pierre de la Resistance of the So Solid Crew <laughs> verses. Um, so, yeah, I just oh, wow. that I had was to so go good. for it, didn't I, I? I? When I mentioned it, I didn't actually think, I thought it would just be a, a nice reference to the story that, you know, you've done it quite a few times. In fact, you met your, didn't you meet your boyfriend actually doing it? I did. We we actually got set up at a dinner party. Uh, you know, the wine was flowing and then I again backed myself that I could sort of do this rap and he had to witness it. Um, you did it at a party? At, we did it. I did it at a dinner party. It was my, my party A dinner trick. party? Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, two God. years later, we're in a happy relationship. So I must have done something, right? Well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, either way, that is now going to live out there in the world uh, forevermore. So I probably never have so to do pleased, it again. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to put that one to bed. But I did. I did not think when I said it that I, I would. You'd end up doing it like that. So fair play. That was that was pretty awesome. <laughs> well, the lesson has definitely been learned. If you're gonna uh, make a claim like that, you've really got to back yourself to actually be able to do it uh, on the you spot. You did, pal. You did. I'll give it to you. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to um, second part of the interview. That was uh, some pretty cool stuff in there. Yeah, what a great chat. I mean, I loved that they do their own stunts. Of course, they do. Yeah, I mean, given how the, like the narrative of the interview, it was kind of expected, right? <laughs> yeah, and having seen how uh, how in shape that they've got based on their recent uh, Instagram posts, I, I mean, think they are. If, if you want more some fitness well inspiration, <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want some fitness inspiration, um, yeah, if you just go on their Instagram accounts, you'll 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 know what we mean. They're in pretty good nick. I love though that they were talking about. Um, health and safety being of top priority yeah. on set and that they weren't even allowed to sort of jump off a table without a strategically placed box for them to land on well no one wanted to jump off a bridge i mean to be fair if you're the health and safety officer i'd be like yeah fair play i understand why you're trying to do your job but another note from a marvel perspective oh sign, i know sign these, sign these guys up i know i think we've gathered from this and all of our work so far they, I mean, they're pretty unstoppable as a duo, aren't they? We oh, we definitely need to see more of them on screen. So if there is any opportunity to get these guys in a Marvel film, I, for one, am a supporter of that. I second that. I second the vote. Start a petition or something to make that happen. That's not a bad show, actually. Anyway, so what have we got up next week, Fran? Well, we have another duo on the cards for next week, but not one that you might expect. So we've got Mel and Sue. Oh, and they've gone nice. from presenters on The Great British Bake Off to a new series on Now TV called Hitmen. So basically, they've gone from Bake Off to blowing heads off. Yeah, so you'll be seeing these guys in a slightly different light than you might have before. I can't wait for that. So that's next week on the Plot Twist podcast, Mel and Sue. So until then, thanks for listening. See ya. Thank you.